There's another one you don't want to hear. Frankly, neither do I. tuned into the power court hour right here on 107.9 wrfa and on the power court hour podcast right now on the phone i am talking to tony scalzo of the band fastball they recently released a great new four song ep titled soundtrack they're also about to gear up to go on tour with everclear and the nixons for the summer if you are listening in the jamestown area they are all around us this summer actually um, June 24th, Washington, PA, July 12th, Mentor, Ohio, July 16th, Hammondsport, New York, and August 27th, right over the border at Niagara Falls, Ontario. So lots and lots of uh, chances to check them out this summer. Let's talk new music. Let's talk touring with Tony. Tony, how are you today? Doing great. I'm here in Austin, Texas at home. Nice, nice. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess at this point, I assume that tour starting pretty soon. Is that, is that kind of what you're, uh, doing now is just getting ready for tour at this point? Well, believe it or not, I'm actually getting ready to go into the studio on Thursday. We're going out to a studio in West Texas called Sonic Ranch. And we're going to be doing some recording. We're going to produce recordings with, uh, David Garza, who's an old friend of ours from the Austin scene, 80s and 90s. Um, he's a great guy and a musical genius. And so we're going to go hang out in the uh, in the Rio Grande Valley, actually. And it's like a middle of nowhere, really. It's uh, like a pecan farm, like literally. Really? Yeah, um, and then they have this compound sort of in the middle of it that has, like, a courtyard and a main house and, you know, like, casitas for people to stay in, and then there's a bunch of uh, bunch of studios. There's literally, like, four or five studios, I think. Oh, there are studios. I was about to ask that. I'm like, is this place, of all these things, like, is it equipped oh, yeah, as a studio? Oh, yeah, it's a special place. It's a, a lot of people do stuff there, actually. Um, and it's internationally, um, you know, it's internationally active because there's a lot of Mexican acts that record there too, that are pretty big name. Uh, Los Tigres del Norte is a big old school kind of, uh, kind of Mexican band and, um, they record a lot there and there's a lot going on. Billy Gibbons likes to go out there and has some stuff out there even some gear oh nice yeah it's a badass we've been wanting to go out there for a long time and um we just so happen to have like the opportunity and we're gonna go for it and i don't know what we're gonna come up with we got a couple of raw kind of songs that you know maybe we could work on or who knows we might just come up with something there at the time i don't know really kind of playing it by ear and then we're getting ready to go out um we're gonna go out with everclear and the nixons and nice. that's gonna be june the dates are all up on the all the social media things and everclear's 
stuff. It's it's pretty cool. It's their 30th anniversary as a band. It's really not. I think they were going to do it last year or something, and they couldn't or something. That seems to happen a lot. There's a lot of anniversary tours, I feel like, this year that were like, you know, either a 2021 or a 2020 tour. That uh, there's, a, right. there's a lot of like 31st, 26th kind of uh, things going yeah. on, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we've been a band for uh, almost 30 years, actually. Um, come, yeah, uh, we got together in summer of 94. Jeez. So, yeah, that's coming up, a 30th anniversary, and we'll probably have some stuff happening for that. We're actually trying to build our thing to where we can get get enough happening to be able to just headline a tour you know like really like our tour you know with with maybe a support act and play some smaller venues theaters and things like that was what i would really like and we really have to up our game a little bit you know we've been doing that but we're gonna need to continue and just keep that as a sort of goal because uh you know it's great that we have such great friends who are popular enough to be able to take us out on the road and all that. And we're really grateful, but man, you know, it'd be nice to be able to, you know, have our own thing. And I think the fans would appreciate sets that are longer than 45 minutes. (laughs) Oh yeah. Do a nice, do a nice like headlining set. I mean, like even including, we're talking about that anniversary there. I mean, you do a tour like that where you can like, jump in and play like those songs you know what i mean like the yeah, songs yeah well we're working on that and we're also working on getting our stage uh stage show uh to a a new kind of degree so i don't know it's the let me how do i explain it we have been going out for about 15 years now with a four piece sometimes a five piece and i'm i started out as we started out as a power trio okay so i was playing bass miles was playing guitar and joey was playing drums so you know we did that for a little while but then we had some hits that required you know a little bit more going on on stage now that's when i decided i'm going to go ahead and play guitar and i'll also play some keyboards and we'll just get a bass player and we did that for a long time but now we're starting to figure out a way to just do it the three of us and seeing what we could do at least on this tour where the sets are shorter we feel like we can pull it off and we can play 45 minutes as a three piece with me on bass same as the old days and that's what we've been working on right now and as far as the like the hits like the way out of my head fire escape we've got we've been working with an engineer and and like recording a couple of like rhythm guitar things and you know that kind of stuff so you can have that going while we're playing live and then it's not something that's like an invisible musician but like something that's more like filling out the sound and making it a little bit more impactful you know because there's multiple parts in some of those songs that kind of you know they're missed and then there's other songs that we do that, you know, all we have to do is just, you know, boom, boom, boom. It's just the three of us. And, you know, it's great to get back to doing that. 
frankly, um, I'm having a lot of fun. I like that. Like I'm, I'm a huge fan of a power trio. Like my, for I don't know why, but like I, I feel like the last two years, I've just I've been infatuated with them because I love. I guess I think there's a freedom of being a trio where like. For one, depending what you're playing, I feel like you can do more, even like as a bass player, like without having that second, you know, not having to kind of play against two guitars, I feel like you can do more with bass. I feel like guitar well, you players. You kind of have to. Yeah, yeah you are. You you're filling that, that sound. You got to fill that uh-huh. sound out. I consider the uh, different registers that the bass can do, too. And sometimes I even go way up the neck and do some high stuff and. Um, you know, that's what I was doing back in, in the day. And I kind of lost that and that, that kind of practice. And now we're getting, a you know, getting into a whole nother vibe again, that old vibe. And, uh, a lot's coming back to me and a lot of the reasons why I like music are coming back. So that's, it's really great. Do you, uh, do you notice, you know, doing more of that is, is playing the songs of power trio, the songs that you guys are playing and thinking about playing, does that change it? Like, are you considering different songs now as, as compared to if you're going out on tour and you have, you know, four or five piece or you're playing keys and stuff like, are you kind of changing right. playing more of the like rock songs now, more of the straight up rock songs like that? Do you notice? Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of true. I mean, we've been playing a thing where we played, I don't know how familiar you all are with, our modern material, but we, Oh yeah. I love the new EP. The new EP is solid. I'm I'm glad. Well, chances are, we're not going to play a ton off that. We are playing, I guess there's infatuations on there. Um, I don't know. I do know that we were playing a lot of stuff that was from previous albums that had a ton of keyboards. So I was playing a lot of keyboards, a lot of that's going to be going by the wayside for a little while. Like songs like uh, Frenchie and the Punk, and and uh, I have this song from our last album called uh, White Collar and All Gone Fuzzy, and all those songs. Probably not going to do those because it's just mainly, you know, it's me being, you know, doing the Ben Folds thing kind of. And, <laughs> That's not going to be happening because we're just not bringing keyboards and we're not doing anything like that. So mainly we're going to be playing the guitar songs that we've been doing. We're going to be doing lots of older songs from the, you know, the first three albums. We're also uh, doing some new stuff, uh, but mainly we've been instructed to play like, (laughs) you know, you know, it's pretty much, given that's what they're going to want us to do is play the hits. So, you know, for the four basic songs that everybody seems to know, we're adding a couple of things, Um, you know, like the way, even the way back in the day, we used to play the way with a thing that like started off with that radio thing, like it is on the record. Yeah. So that would be running. And then I'd start singing, over that over that track that's running and i'd start singing the first verse and then we would come in as a band like full on and just that thing would run throughout the whole thing and we're doing the same thing with that um firescape has an extra guitar part so we've kind of i played that i recorded that so it's been a little jangly thing the 
Okay, so we we we're gonna have that. That's all that stuff's activated by Joey and he hits a little, you know, rolling pad sampler. Well, that's what I was about to ask. Hit. If this was like if you guys are programming it or you just kinda had like the sound guy kind of even like patch the sounds in or something, but you guys are like doing it on stage, you're like basically. Well, we don't this. really yeah, that's the thing is we don't really have a, a big crew. We don't have a monitor guy, we don't have a guy on stage. We just have a front of house guy. So he's out in the front and he can't really, all he can do is mix what's coming at him. So Joey's going to have an input that has that, that uh, sampler on there and he hits it. He's got, you know, in ears that are, you know, clicking off the time. He starts us off and we just play. We don't even have to really have it in our mix. We just play and it's coming out front, but, you know, we're just basically, I'm just playing the bass and singing harmonies on that song. Um, and there's also some opportunities we've found with, you know, delay sampler pedals where you're able to like, you know, you play a rhythm part for about two or three measures and then you click it and then it runs and it plays and he can play over that. So that's also a cool this they didn't really have those things back i mean they had them but they were only worth like eight seconds oh you, you yeah know, you follow me yeah, you can yeah, only like run the thing a loop pedal basically yeah a little now loop you pedal. got loop pedals that could run like a full-on page of music so it's there's all kinds of new things that we've been trying to try out that we've never either had the time or the reason to develop. And that's what we're up to today is getting a whole fresh new approach. I don't know. You know, you remember, and we're not going to go crazy with it. It's not like going to be like, you know, <laughs> we're not going to turn into the weekend up there <laughs> or whatever. But, you know, we are going to have some things going on and we like to explore those ideas and it might shape some of the new, new material that we come up with. Who knows? And we might just say, fuck it and get another person, you <laughs> yeah, know? We're not After doing this a second well, tour. Yes. I mean, you know, it depends. We're going to, we're just trying it out. And I think that's really important for artists to do is just like, you know, shit, you know, find some new ground to cover. I think it's, it's really great. It makes things fun. And it's not like it's just pumping out the same crap every year. Well, I mean, we've so, we been talking about, too, like earlier. I mean, you guys have been around for so long. you got to keep it fresh. I mean, you need to, you know, obviously you want the audience and everything entertained, but you guys got to go out there every night, play those songs, do the set. Like, you got to do it every yeah. night. You have to be able yeah. to like what you're doing and enjoy it. And also, that ends up leading into the audience because if oh, you're yeah. not, if you don't enjoy it, you know, is the audience going to get a great performance? Like, we want you to be liking what you're doing, too. You know what I mean? Right. I think everybody's pretty aware these days, too, with YouTube and, you know, TikTok, but mainly YouTube. Uh, you know, when you see, like, a lot, I'm not going to mention names, but there's been a lot of videos of, you know, bands for the last 10 years, you know, kind of like they're, you know, oh God, how do I say it? <laughs> Bands get up and you can tell they're on their like 20th tour and they're just like so tired and they're not into it. And it's, they're on autopilot. You know, it's a mode. shame because everybody's got a camera now. So if you're having an off nights, people, you know, people 
they're going to be filming you and it's going to go up whether you like it or not. <laughs> and um, so, you know, there's always that awareness. And I, I've seen a lot of real, like, it's so sad, you know, like some of these, like the last days of, of, of uh, Scott Wheeland from oh, Stone Temple yeah. Pilots. I mean, he was really having a lot of trouble and, and it was obvious by his performance. And it's really sad because even, as late as 2010, the Stone Temple Pilots did a killer reunion tour, and he was amazing. And within like four years, he was terrible, just terrible. That's a sad and, one. I mean, so much. Yeah, talent. but that's only that's because of drugs, though. I mean, yeah. but there is a sort of phoning in quality that I really want to avoid, and I want no one to ever like catch that vibe from us. Like we're just like come in there to put, collect our money and then we're going to, you know, go home and we're not going to, you know, we're not going to give you everything you want. We're not even going to smile, whatever, you know. <laughs> well, I got to give you. I just you... feel like I really want everybody to feel like this is a, you know, of course I'm going to feel that way because, you know, I'm a, I'm a 50-something rock musician, but I really want to maintain uh, an an energy that's that says we're trying stuff we're 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 doing new things i gotta give you uh i gotta give you or at least tell you like i feel like you're going in the right direction because like for me i mean obviously throughout the years i mean me like everyone else i know all the big like fastball hits but when i really got into you guys it was really like five years ago which i mean you're about to go on tour with everclear it was seeing you guys open for everclear and, like, I, the live show is what made me end up going back through your catalog and, like, becoming a fan, like, really a fan. And like, oh, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, so, I mean, and this is only five years ago. This is, like, 2017. Yeah, and we were playing some new songs then, I remember, yeah. And you, I mean, we had a current album at the time was um, the uh, uh, Step Into Light. Step Into Light was our record at that time. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And it was... Like, listening to it again, like, yeah, I knew the hits, but, like, you guys are just a good rock. Like, watching you, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, they're just a solid rock band. Like, just really. And then hearing, too, I mean, like, and, and I don't I don't know, like, exactly. And, and you can tell me, but, like, I hear, I hear some big star and, like, just some old power pop in there that I'm a huge fan of. I don't know if those are influences on you or not, but, like, the things I hear in your music, again, just from seeing you live, I'm like, oh, shit, I should have been listening to this band forever like i should have yeah well it's true i mean and sure big stars huge for us um and they should be for any american uh rock band that has like hooky songs um we look i'm from the west coast miles is from the rio grande valley joey is born and raised in austin texas joey uh, and Miles were in the Austin rock scene of the 80s. I was in the punk and rock scene in L.A. of, you know, the late from the late 70s on up to 93 when I moved to Texas. Um, I brought an element of that. In 93, the DIY thing was on fire. Indie rock alternative bands were on fire. And it was before the time of, you know, bands like, you know, the white stripes and yeah, yeah, yeah. And so there was a little bit more underground vibe to it. And then, cause later on it got really like the alternative indie bands became 
real big. Yeah. And, you know, Lollapaloozas became like, you know, <laughs> that became like <laughs> the norm. And, you know, it, um, you know, that's when you got the big festivals like Coachella and Awesome City Limits and, <clears throat> you know, Bonnaroo. We, um, we kind of missed out on that. We're like in between the cool Nirvana scene, Sonic Youth, Flaming Lips. And then there's like our time. <laughs> and then there's like this, the strokes and, and all this other stuff that started being, you know, really happening. We're in the middle of all that. And, you know, it's kind of like a merged out, I don't know, that like commercial sort of that alternative rock 90s thing. And it got real big and it was all that you saw was like Sugar Ray, Everclear, you know, Goo Goo Dolls and, you know, Smash Mouth and naturally, you know, and nothing against those bands, but I mean, I feel like we're... That's not what you were doing. I never felt like we we were really going to be like a big band like that. I, I was hoping for a, a more of, <laughs> you know, can we be as big as Matthew Sweet and go around <laughs> and, you know, and headline, and, you know, still really all I want is that same goal now. It's the same, you know, can we fill to 2000 seats? Can we fill even 1500 seats? Those are, those are the kind of goals we're looking for. And we really, approaching it just like a young band would have back in the 90s except you know we're using modern technology now and we're using you know the modern thing um naturally our shows and this is the thing i mean it would be great if we could develop an audience that's you know a little bit more current it's hard to do for a band of old guys who you know whose hits were in the 90s and you know nothing against having 60 year old fans but you know it's not really you know the look we're going for <laughs> you know i see what no, i absolutely see what you're saying and shorts <laughs> <laughs> it's just the way it is and i i understand that but i mean you know i would love to be uh you know i don't know i'd love to be i guess i'm saying i'd love to be hip maybe that's what i'm saying you know I- I know. I'll be honest. I'll be honest. I mean, I, I like a lot of music and I have super eclectic um, influences, even though, you know, our band's known for a couple of radio hits from the 90s. Uh, I think all those influences come through. Like you said, you know, we're a real, we're a real like rock, power pop, sure. But I mean, you know, we're influenced by the legendary big like British bands and the Who, the Kings, the Beatles, the Stones, um, Small Faces. Love, I just love all that stuff. And I, I got to say, I love it more than most of the American bands. Really? I thought the American, yeah, I mean, think of it, though. I mean, I love the Allman Brothers, but the Allman Brothers band is like, let's face it, it's kind of a rootsy southern thing, you know, and it's kind of like, you know, I think the English bands present this sort of thing where you almost forget their English, you know, uh, I think the stones for a long time, you could sort of like, you know, shake your head and go, this is American music. Yeah. That's um, a good, you know what? That's a really good point. Right. 
I mean, and there's lots of great American bands, and I love, like you mentioned, Big Star. I think that's an excellent band, but unfortunately, no one fucking, only the, you know, <laughs> only the, the indie hipster music, you know. Yeah, they're not. Record store diggers, the crate diggers are the ones who got hit to that. I mean, sure, and like, thanks to younger bands, you know, and their influence on them, you know, they've become this legendary thing, but I mean, you know, those are cut up being records. Those, I mean, I worked in record stores in the 80s and 90s. Those weren't off the shelf. You're saying Radio <laughs> City and number one record weren't, yeah. weren't like flying off the shelves. <laughs> no, you could, you could find them and they were usually lost in some B file, you know, on the rack. No, that is, uh, that's a good point. I mean, a lot of my favorite bands I, I seem to notice, which I'm 29, so a lot of them I found second, you know, years after the fact. But I do right. realize that that a lot of them are maybe bigger now, but in their day, oh, no, sure. one get, no one gave Well, they had to shit. break up. They had to break up. I mean, they couldn't even – well, it took them all the way until the early 2000s to go out with the Posies dudes and, and be – big star again and and then you know they were doing great and they were playing festivals and then you know um uh what's his name died alex chilton Chilton died suddenly they were about to headline at austin city limits and um, he, he was in town i think and he died and he was only like 51 or something, you know. No, he, he was young. He was really, yeah, he was, uh-huh. it was like a heart attack, I think. He just had a heart yeah. attack and died. And that was it. No more, no more. That was it. Ever <laughs> no, again. No big story. You know, and, uh, and also we have a big affinity for a lot of that Midwest thing because we, that's our, that was our first, you know, that's our first uh, Chitlin circuit kind of thing, you know. <laughs> that's, we went up to, Dallas, OKC, Kansas City, St. Louis, Chicago, you know, Milwaukee, Madison, uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul. And then you go back down and then you get to meet all those people and you know all those people from those bands. And um, so when we were coming up, like the Jayhawks and oh, like Wilco was like a new band and um you know, Soul Asylum was still kicking around and the replacements were broken up, but, you know, it was all about the replacements and all about They're my that. all-time but, favorite band. Replacements are the oh, greatest. Oh, well, of course. So, I mean, that was our, that's where we're coming from. We're coming from the van. We weren't really a punk band. I think we we went more along the lines of those Midwest rock bands and indie rock bands and um i think we have more to do with them than any of than any of the like west coast um kind of punk informed bands we're informed by punk but we're informed by a more heartland kind of punk and maybe even a americana thing um we're friends with a lot of those people from that time and you know and also we have a relationship with uh the Southeast um, that goes back to like, you know, the REM kind of thing and Athens. And we worked for years with Russell Carter, who was our manager. And so he worked with Sean Mullins and, and the um, Indigo girls and, you know, Matthew sweet 
that's how we got all that sort of hook up with Matthew and, um, you know, so, I mean, we're sort of an American band and we don't really, we don't really fit in to the West coast thing of, of, uh, you know, the punk bands offspring and, and, you know, Everclear and, and bands like that are sort of, you know, they're going off that a little bit, I think. Um, arts arts uh you know i think he's uh you know he just really he's he holds on to that punk thing and that's totally cool that's fine but i mean for us we don't really identify as much even though i have more in common with him than the rest of my band because you know i did see a lot of that stuff going up Growing up in Southern California, I saw, I mean, a lot of my upbringing was, you know, seeing bands like TSOL and Adolescence. And, you know, nice. But, and then there's the sort of underground scene in Southern California. You had you had uh, everything from early Americana with the Blasters and X and Los Lobos oh, so to good. a psychedelic thing. There was a sort of a neo-Paisley thing, you know, with like bands like the Three O'Clock and uh, I was into the Minutemen too, and, so and Sacred Trust, and Descendants, and nice. there was just a million things, and I, even a little bit to some degree the metal thing because you know you couldn't ignore it for a while, and then the punks were getting into bands like Slayer, and you could see Slayer in a room full of like three hundred people. <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah insane insane stuff you know right around 84 85 um you know it started really rolling and the label started really paying attention to shit so that's why that's why the red hot chili peppers got big around 88 with mother's milk uh jane's addiction was big and you know it just became this thing and by 93 94 let's face it 94 march of 94 Kurt Cobain, dead. Boom. There's Green Day. <laughs> Coming right around the punk, corner. Yeah, so, that yeah. punk broke yeah. out right away. Yeah. It really and was then, on uh, to the next thing. So Nirvana goes away, Green Day. I mean, and this is all post Guns N' Roses, too. And oh, yeah. Cult and all that. So, I mean, uh, you know, we sort of have watched. Uh, my band has watched and been a part of that fabric and watched it go by. And now, looking back, and I realize I'm talking to a 29 year old, but it's like, you know, uh, I really still strive to like remember things accurately and try to make paint a picture of what it was really like. Because, you know, if you know, I'm just saying it was a really big thing. There was a lot of different things, and you know, everybody like washes the 90s, up, you know, over with this big sort of broad sponge. And in the 80s, too, I think. And I think there were so many great things going on underground in those times. Oh, all the that, best stuff was, yeah, definitely underground. It's not. And I feel like that yeah. stuff aged the best. The replacements aged so much better than most of what Top 40 was in the oh, 80s. Definitely. And they knew it, too. And it was just a joke to them. Oh, yeah. I they, mean, well, Westerberg why. didn't give a shit about Top 40 or like what, you Let's know what face I mean? It, you have to, you, if you want to even survive 
you have to have a sense of humor and you have to have the ability to make fun of the industry and of yourself playing a role in that industry. You know, you just have to know. And you're not, you know, a lot of people make the mistake of thinking that they're responsible for what they've done. And, of course, to a great degree, mostly it's you, but it's a team and there's a team all around you. And sometimes that team is, you're just not going to jive with them. It's not going to work out. And I don't think someone like Paul Westerberg could ever, could ever, you know, do work like that with with people on in the industry and he knows it you know he know he knows it and you know a person like dave grohl is very happy to and you know he'll put on a smile and he'll walk out of the meeting and motherfuckers or whatever but (laughs) he put that smile on and paul westerberg could never do that oh my god no (laughs) are you kidding me i mean i don't you know what i saw i i saw uh the the freak scene the dinosaur junior story yesterday i watched this sort of documentary about dinosaur junior and it was incredible it was incredible the way they just didn't care about whether they were going to ever be famous and then they got famous and then they broke up because they were famous and then uh and then it took them about five or six years and they decided to get to again and then they were able to play and they've been playing you know pretty good tours ever since oh yeah at, with the original lineup i thought that was really great like success blew the band apart and warner brothers and all that stuff and then uh they had a hit on mtv and they went to europe and they did all that stuff and but then you know by the time they were on you know their fourth album or whatever they, they were, their career was dying, and they couldn't like fill a club, so they broke up and then got back together five years later and they played festivals and stuff. So they're doing great still. There seems to be that band like of ever I don't know if it's every generation maybe maybe there's even more but like where yeah during during I mean we were just talking about the I mean like the big stars and all those where it's like in your day like nothing like you end up breaking up because yeah no one's buying the records financial stress like no one's out and then all of a sudden like five ten years later maybe longer it's like you're headlining a festival of like you know thirty thousand people or all of a sudden just like whatever you're kind of getting this like you know on the back end nobody thinks of the rolling stones that way but you know by by the time that they were putting out their best records it was like they were still coming to America and playing like, uh, you know, a small little sports arena in like Wichita Falls or whatever. <laughs> you know, they were playing small venues still and, and Madison Square Garden, probably the biggest thing they would do. But it took all the way for another like, you know, five or six years for them to be doing those big stadiums. They had to work and generate this energy and it took them a long time to be the, that big band that you see by 1976. You know, that's a, oh, it's yeah. a lot of work. It's a lot of work even for the big, you know, the big time rock bands of those times. No, you're right about that. And I think we look at like a lot of like big acts like that, including ones who are like at legendary status now. 
and you forget that people have lulls in their careers that some albums didn't sell as well as others. Yeah, sometimes you went right. from an arena to a theater for a while like shit like that happens even with the biggest ones like now you look back and go yeah like with the stones like you know they're towards the end of their career now and it's like god damn they're legendary i mean they're absolute legends but you do you forget yeah. that like they didn't wake up one day start the rolling stones and like five days in they were the biggest thing around like it doesn't it had to work oh my god especially and they had the they had the uh the forethought to hit america even though they didn't have number one songs they would go to america and play in parking lots or supermarkets and you know dog tracks whatever to work your um, ass off just to get to that. Yeah. I mean, because you're not guaranteed that yeah. that pans out either. Like they put in that that effort and that you know just taking a chance on yourself, basically. Yeah. So that's what we're doing. We're uh, we're gonna pretend like we're a new band, and we're gonna pretend like we're young. And it's uh, I think it's a good business model. I like for I mean, a I- rock band. I like it, and I want to, I mean, I want to ask, it sounds like, I mean, you're very, like, invigorated, kind of, I don't know if reinvention of the band is the right word, but I mean, just, it seems like you guys care about what you're doing. You're yeah, of- I wouldn't say it's a reinvention, it's just an evolution, because it's been a slow process, and we're actually getting better and better by really slow increments, really little, little by little, each song, each new thing. Um, our Patreon thing is something I need to mention before we go. Yeah, let's talk um, about it. It's a, you know, if people don't know, a lot of like, podcasters use Patreon to get the funds together to do research so they can dedicate most of their time to the podcast. Um, so what they do is they get people to subscribe to their Patreon for a certain amount per month, guaranteeing them first chance uh exclusive material or whatever um that's how that they how that they support that there are a few musical artists there that are doing very well with it and they have you know upwards of like sixty thousand, you know subscribers and you can only think about five dollars or a dollar even a month per subscriber um you're gonna it's gonna take care of your thing pretty well well, we don't have anywhere near that. We have coming on a hundred. We're hoping to get break that goal by the time we go out on tour, and we're hope we're gonna have to, we're gonna be able to sign up a bunch of more people. But you can do a yearly subscription for a smaller rate, or you could do a monthly subscription. And we offer new songs every month that we've recorded, just as if we were making an album. We just the same quality production everything um and we give those to the patreon patrons every month because they subscribe and nobody else gets them until everybody from the patreon has heard those songs and that was the result that the 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 um four song ep was the result of the first four months of our patreon so the those 150 some odd people were able to hear those songs before we put out the EP. Now, we thought we were going to do four more and make a second EP, but instead of that, our time got crunched and we realized we're ahead of the game. So what we've decided to do is include those four songs that we put on the EP and put them on our new album, which is coming out June 14th. And that will be 
uh, called The Deep End, and it has those songs and I think seven more or eight more originals. And um, they were recorded in May and June of last year. And the reason we're going in the studio now is because we have to get ready for the next batch that's going to come out. So what we're doing now more than ever, instead of the old model of like, let's get some money together and get a producer and go in the studio and then get ready for an album and we'll put out an album and then you put out the album and you get it manufactured and you get a distribution deal and they put it out and then nothing happens and then it's over. Rather than do that, we stockpile the songs, release them little by little to people who really want them. They give us money for it. We put that into a recording fund for the next batch. And it's just, you know, it's a machine that, um, you know, feeds itself, fuels itself. So I like that. That's a, that's an yeah. interesting way to go. And then, so we're, we're not abandoning the idea or the concept of putting out albums, which I think is a great thing. And I couldn't live without it. I'm frankly, and I couldn't live without recording in expensive studios with producers. I just, it's, I love it. I love to pretend we're the Beatles. I love that. <laughs> It's my favorite thing about the job we do. I love to compare us to the great bands that have been, you know, legendary all our lives in our, in our, you know, minds. Um, that's all I want. I mean, even if it is a fantasy, you know, I project it out to the people who like us and, you know, they think of us as rock stars. So, you know, I love it. I just love it. Take it. No, take it. You know, <laughs> Kind of, kind of with that too, and I wanted to ask you, like, as far as the studio experience goes, and it kind of sounds like you are, like, are you someone who likes going in there, spending a lot of time tweaking with shit, like writing in studio, doing all that, or are you someone who likes going in, like, well rehearsed, get it done, and then get out? Okay, tour? so, so there's only one thing I think that really determines which one of those two, and it's a little thing called money. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing. Oh, I love that. Now listen, would I love to get up every morning and stumble into the studio and like light up a doobie, get a get a pot of coffee going and just start and then go all day, take a break. I would love it. Let's see what we can come up with. You know, just but you already seen what what happens in let it be thing with Peter Jackson, did you see that? I've not watched it yet. Well, it takes a long time and it's hard (laughs) and people get bored and people get pissed and people get impatient and you have to keep at it. And the songs sometimes don't come easy and sometimes they do. And so you're risking wasting a lot of precious time by doing it the Beatle way you need to sort of have un- unlimited funds and a studio and an engineer that's you're paying. He's going to be there the whole time. Okay. So as much as I would love to do that, we only have enough funds to do it for a certain time. So in historically, my band has always worked out what we call pre-production. We do rehearsals. We map out the arrangements. We try to get it so we could go in and lay down the basic tracks and then you can fuck around and you know see what can go on top of that you know let's call in some strings let's do this or that 
let's get this girl to sing this part or whatever, you know, all that stuff. You can do that after, but you really have to have those basics already like fleshed out. Once you have the arrangements, then you can mess around. But we are literally going to try this time to go in with not much prepared. We are going to go in and see what we can do with David and me and Miles and Joey and the engineer that David works with. And we're isolated out there. There's nothing else to do but work on music. There are literally um, ladies who cook breakfast, lunch, and dinner for us. Yeah. And then set, we just work. We're there to work and we're going in for about eight days and hopefully, you know, this is the thing, you know, as much as I love that idea, that concept of, of seeing what you can come up with and writing in the studio, we've never really been able to do it. Even when we were at the top of the, uh, heap you know as far as like you know budget goes back in like 99 2000 we were able to do just about whatever we wanted and we did but it cost a fortune <laughs> and you know prices haven't gone down over the years um but we're gonna give it a try and you know i'll report back to you and let you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how, how it went <laughs> here, here i'm the... a little nervous about it but at the same time i'm excited and i trust miles and joey and i trust david and i trust myself and i think um i think it's going to be real worthwhile i really do i'm stoked for it because i mean as a fan like just hearing how like i mean it sounds like you guys still give a shit about the band and like i mean we've kind of talked about already in this interview but there are bands who You've been around for so long, you start getting on autopilot mode. Maybe you just get in that cycle of... Yeah. Well, it's the only thing we have. And, you know, it's the only thing we have. I could run off and start another band, and but I'm never going to have the, the juice behind what Fastball has, you know. Um, you know, we got hits under our belt. We're the original members. We've been playing the whole time. Um so, you know, you can't substitute that. Anything else would be, uh, you know, either a huge slog or it just wouldn't meet up to the the vibe. that fast, Fastball also has the chemistry of, you know, the people who have been in it and who work together and communicate through music together, uh, you know, so... It, there's just no alternative. That's the way I see it. So that's why we're excited about it too. You know, keeping keeping a lineup too for as long as you have. I mean, staying original like that is, I mean, honestly, a feat. I mean, I'm sure you've seen most of the people you came up with if they're still around. It probably went through a few lineup changes. I mean, is that? I don't know if it's something that you even actively think of. But is there anything you can credit yeah. to keeping a lineup most, together? Most, yeah, yeah. I, I accept. I, I think that we deserve a pat on the back for staying together. Yes, you do. Um, none of the bands. I mean, really, none of them. Um, you know, you can go back to you can go back to Wilco, Soul Asylum, Jayhawks. Some of those guys are original members, but Soul all. Asylum's just Dave Perner now. Everclear's just Art. Um, you know, Sugar Ray is just is just uh, 
Mark and Rodney and Goo Goo Dolls are just, you know, Johnny and, and, uh, oh, you know, oh Robbie. Robbie, I think Robbie. Yeah. Robbie, Robbie, Robbie take out. That's right. Um, you know, I mean, uh, oh, by the way, I, you know, I heard, I watched a little video of them playing live Goo Goo Dolls from the other day and they sounded really good. I was like, wow, damn. And I kind of didn't expect it because we're seeing a lot of like, like I was saying, videos. That's what we were talking about the YouTube videos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're like, yeesh. Yeah. <laughs> it does. It does happen. Let's wrap it up. Tell people where they can uh, get the soundtrack EP. Where can they find you online? All that. All that good stuff. Plug away, and we will. Uh, and we'll play some music. Well, after this. our our soundtrack, our soundtrack EP, our four song EP. It's only available on on streaming, so you know Spotify, Apple Music, that kind of stuff. YouTube, also, um, our new album coming out in June will be available at some uh, some mom and pop stores throughout the country. Nice. Um, it will also be available through our website through fastballtheband.com. Um, it will also be available on all the streaming. Um, services that you can pretty much put stuff up on so they'll be able to get all that there and if you want to hear anything that nobody's heard yet and you want a chance to support the band you can go to patreon.com slash fastball and you can sign up and check it out and see if you want to be a subscriber to our patreon for just a few dollars each month or year you're eligible to get stuff sometimes we write things sometimes we put up videos of like practices or recording um we uh put up news but we mainly give exclusive advanced listening to people who want to hear stuff before we put it out there to the rest of the world um so if you really want to support the band and you want to keep in touch with what we're doing currently that's the place to go and also look out for us on the road. All our dates are up on our website, fastballtheband.com. And, you know, we'll be out all the way through the end of 2022. Um, first with this Everclear thing, and I think we'll be going out in the fall and in um, close to Thanksgiving and before Christmas, too. So Nice, nice. New music from Fastball, touring. I mean, there you there's exactly. not a shortage of fastball things, so lots of uh, lots of things to go check out from you guys. It sounds like definitely, but uh, yeah, I mean this has uh, been great. We're gonna play right now a couple songs off the soundtrack EP. So right now on the Power Chord Hour, here's the title track. This is soundtrack.
This is Stephen Bradley, and you're listening to the Power Chord Hour. Bombay Beach, the Salton Sea, dreaming of what used to be. Anastasia, you and me, now you're gone, now you're gone, now you're gone. But the past is not a place to live, and I gave you all I had to give in that house on the edge of the world.
podcast you just heard all of fastball's brand new ep soundtrack definitely go grab that it is digital right now no uh no like physical cd or vinyl but a very good ep you should definitely go grab that go support the band i want to thank tony for calling in that was such a fun interview i love talking to him and uh including as someone who's like been a fan like the last like five years and and like i was telling him when i really I've always been a fan of the hits. I mean, you know, the way out of my head, like all all those songs are great. You know, like including if you're listening to like the radio, you know, you hear a lot of you hear a lot of songs that get played a ton and a ton. But there's a few that like I don't mind, and uh, Fastball are one of them. You know, they're including like with the '90s, like Fastball, Third Eye Blind, Everclear, like uh, you know some of those bands who you hear you to this day you still hear nonstop. But I don't mind hearing, you know, there are a lot of other songs like, oh, my God, please never let me hear that again. I uh, I think like the way and out of my head are just well-written songs, you know, like just really and kind of like just like pop songs, but not pop songs, if that makes sense. Like not like just in the most traditional sense of a pop song, like it's it's hooky. It has a nice melody. It's memorable. You know, like like the mainstream, the masses can all enjoy it. I mean, I, I think in that way, those you know those songs are very much that. And uh, you know, it was great talking to them. 
But like also, yeah, just becoming a fan and getting past those hits and just really, you know, finding out what a great band they are and uh, definitely hearing like that big star and replacements and stuff in there and not super surprised with the British bands, you know, that I never even thought of so much that influenced fastball, but just hearing all those things and finally getting to like ask a member of the band, hey, like I hear a lot of big star in your music. Are you a big star fan or am I like, you know, am I making this up kind of stuff? So really cool talk to Tony. He was so much fun. Really enjoyed that. Hope you did too. And again, go grab Fastball's new uh, EP soundtrack. You just heard all four songs. You know it's good stuff, so go support them. Go see them on tour. They're probably playing around you. I mean, I named off those uh, those four dates at the beginning of the uh, episode, and those are all – they're like Fastball – I think those are all like within two hours of here of uh, Jamestown where I'm at right now, like all within two hours. So I'll be seeing fastball a couple times this summer for sure, but uh, they'll be on tour with Everclear and the Nixons later on in the year. It sounded like it may be a headlining tour. Sounds like they might either way. They'll be doing more touring, but uh, they, they are staying busy. I think the rest of the year and really promoting this uh, EP and getting that new album out. Uh, yeah. Cause he said June that's coming out. So They'll have a new record out. They're touring. They got this new EP out. They got the Patreon. So many ways to go, uh, you know, go digest what Fastball is doing. Lots of new music. And uh, they're great live. If you've never seen them again, like, that's what made me a fan was seeing them live and going, like, oh, my God. Like, I got to listen to them a whole lot more. I've been I've been sleeping on this band outside of the hits. But, uh, yeah. And it's funny, too. When I used to work at Kiss FM, I would do the All Request Retro Lunch which was a live show where I'd just take people's requests from the 80s and the 90s and uh, was always stoked when Fastball, when anyone wanted a Fastball song. Because there's, there's a lot of awful songs that were in the top 40 in the 80s and 90s that uh, you know people would request all the time that I'm not a fan of. Which, look, I'm happy to play what the listener wants to hear. So I had no problem with it. But still, when someone would ask for something really good, I'd be stoked. So I was always, uh, I was always happy to play a Fastball song for somebody. But uh, yeah, that is going to be this episode of the Power Chord Hour podcast. I want to thank you so much for tuning in to this one. Really enjoyed doing it. And uh, yeah, tune back in for another one. And as always, go give us a follow at Power Chord Hour on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We really appreciate it. Uh, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to this. That is a huge help to the show. Uh, email me, powercordhour at gmail.com. I have free Power Chord Hour stickers I would love to send out. And uh, what else? I think that's about it. Radio show. You want to listen to the radio show? New one every Friday night, 8 to midnight Eastern on 107.9 WRFA in Jamestown, New York. You can stream the show on the radio station anywhere at uh, WRFALP.com. You'll see the big listen button there. So tune into the radio show. That is always a, a good time. And, uh, yeah, I think that is going to be everything for this week. So for the Power Court Hour podcast, I'm Anthony Merchant. Thank you so much for listening.